everyone, John Weaver from the Culture Classroom. Don't forget to subscribe to the show on iTunes and SoundCloud and leave a rating and review. That'll help us produce better podcasts for you to listen to as we venture into season two a little more. Once again, thanks for listening. You can also follow us on Twitter at CultureClass19. Now, let's get into the classroom. Hi, JT. What's up, man? This is going to be episode six of season two. Uh, So, got a cool topic we're going to talk about today. Got an awesome guest, uh, Army Ranger Ben Bush is going to join us in the classroom today. But I think a lot of the people going into the summer and as you get into fall camp, as they're trying to decide who their team captains are going to be, and I think we're going to come up, maybe not just a, a foolproof plan, but some ideas and some principles that you can kind of put into place where it's a principle of leadership, not a popularity contest that a lot of people, especially high school kids, when you let them pick team captains uh, in today's world, they go and gravitate toward people that are popular, which in reality, if you're a leader, you're probably not the most popular guy. Well, your best leaders definitely aren't popular. And uh, if you need uh, any more clarification on that statement, just go look at your principal. Probably not someone you're going to go to the golf course with or sit down and have a beer with at a restaurant um, if you're just a a regular teacher like I am in our building. That's so true. Um, Leaders are those guys that that stand out. Um, And I think it's important to talk about that it's not a – uh, it's not a position. It's more of how you act, um, the core values that you set for yourself. So it's not like you know, people view like leadership, oh, I'm a leader, I'm in this position. No, leadership in general is being able to direct people in a, uh, in a way that you want them to go. And it's ugly, it's not pretty, uh, and you're going to have to get some or hurt some people's feelings along the way. No doubt. And, uh, you know, I think the other thing about it, too, is in order for leadership to work, it's got to be genuine. So that's why leadership is so hard to reproduce, because you can't just make a mold and define it and then make cookie cutter after cookie cutter after cookie cutter. It's got to be something that, you know, we all have a unique skill set and a unique character trait. And then you're right. I think if you're going to be a leader, you better hold yourself to not a high standard of performance, but the highest standard. Right, because if you're going to make people follow you, you better be able to set some examples that you're already doing for yourself. And I think some of the best leaders have to sometimes take unpopular uh, positions on things. They may have to make unpopular decisions. Um, and like, just like you said, if that's not one of your skills, then don't sign up to be a leader. Like, don't do it. Right. right. Leadership is just something extra. It's, it's in addition to everything else that we do. And I think a lot of times, People go into leadership because they're at that point in their career where they have knowledge to offer others, but it is ugly. I think that's a great way to say it. When you're down in the trenches and you're trying to bring other people along, you are not popular. It's not fun. It's ugly. There's a lot of days where you spend by yourself looking in the mirror going, holy cow, what am I doing? Or how can I get this to be better? Right. And a lot of people say it's lonely at the top. And we're not just talking about winning. It's lonely being a leader because you have to make some hard decisions. So I asked one of our kids, this, or I asked our leadership academy class uh, Thursday, 
are there any leaders on our team that we need to fire? And they said, who, like fire them off the team? I was like, no, 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 no. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about do any, any, anybody on our team that we need to fire as like they, the coaches view him as a leader, the players view him as a leader. Is there anybody we need to take leadership away from and not right. be a person of influence? And, you know, that's a tough question for 16, 17, 18 year olds because they don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. They want to make sure that, hey, I can still go jet skiing with this guy on the weekend. Hey, I can still go hunting in the in the um, in the fall. I want to make sure I can still go uh, fishing in the spring with this person. Well, you know, it, you're either and and I I'm conflicted on this, and you can kind of help us, and maybe some of the li- listeners that are probably toying with this question. But people say, oh, not everybody can be a leader. Well, there, there's two sides to that. I think you're leading somebody and you're influencing somebody somewhere along the way. But then the other side of it is you have leaders and you have followers. So you need to learn how to like follow a leader. So that's, yeah. that's what I'm toying with. Like, does everybody have influence over somebody? I think so. But yet position of leadership, not everybody can be a leader because you told me this uh, earlier that if there's everybody's a leader, then the room gets crowded. And you lose a position of leadership from the guys that are wanting to lead. Yeah, I I think that's about that's one of the lessons I've learned is that you you know we want the ten percent with the ten eighty ten you know if you're familiar with Urban Meyer's work we want that number to grow but there is a saturation point where you get too many guys in the room or too many people that are trying to make decisions and the waters get really mud and there's too much mud on the windshield and no one has a clear picture then of where they're going to go. Yeah, and I'm hoping that that Ben, when he comes in, he can give us a military um, aspect of it, being an Army Ranger. Now, there's some stuff that he's not going to be able to talk about, obviously. But you think about the military, you think, I think this, that everybody thinks that the military has it all figured out, that leadership is so easy to do because there's rank and you're superior and... Um, you know, everybody's probably found bin Laden or done these missions and killed him and all that stuff. So, I mean, these books and everything, like they all have it all figured out. When in reality, I think Ben's going to share some light on that they don't. There's, it's still murky with leadership from a huge organization as the military. But I think it's gotten muddier as we've gone into the 21st century. We don't have a clear identity anymore as far as who we're fighting all the time. We have special interest groups that no longer need an organization behind. Like, countries don't fight each other really anymore. Now you have subgroups, and then you've got, like, drones and IUDs and all kinds of 21st century warfare that makes it harder to achieve defined objectives. Yeah. I think you Um, you have political leaders too, man. Like you, you, know, you know those leaders that, uh, I guess they're posers. So I'm not really talking about <laughs> politics, but they're guys that are, like, they're not want to do. They don't want to do what the group wants to do. So they're kind of yeah. they're good with their words. They they can kind of manipulate you, uh, stuff like that. So I think there's those types of leaders too that don't want to help. They want to help themselves, but they want to help the group. Well, and that's one of the things that we came to in our school. We have a leadership team. I serve on our leadership team. And basically the message when we go to a staff meeting and our leadership team is 10 or 12 people, 
uh, of various positions or of content areas. And when we take anything to the general staff, we have to say, you don't have to like this, but you do have to agree not to sabotage it. Right. Yeah. So I don't know, man, it's, we're talking about leadership and popularity. And is there a balance of it? So let's talk about this. How about that running back, that wide receiver, that all-state defensive lineman? They're good. We want them to make plays on the field. But then we give our team the, the way or give, give them the right to vote to be a leader, like vote for team captains per se. And you've really, you've really challenged my thinking on this because as I look at our captain structure in Monarch football, it's pretty arbitrary. We don't have anything defined. And as a coach, I've fallen into the trap of, well, my leaders are going to be my highest producers. When really leadership is about production, but it might not be that running back that you're going to give the ball to 30 times a game. Yeah. So where's the balance in it? Yes, you want those guys that are going to make plays, but you have to be like a two-year starter to be in contention. But then you have the question of there, there is no hierarchy in leadership if you really want to get down to it. A sophomore could lead if he wants to. If right. he displays those principles. But yet he's first year really on varsity. I mean, so that I think that's something that we can, I mean, we can wrap our heads around. We can take some notes on. Listeners can, can send us some comments after they listen to this um, on Twitter. But there is, there's a balance in leadership and popularity that I think needs to be addressed because some teams pick captains at the end of the season. Some teams, the coaches pick the captains. Well, the kids know who's going to lead them. Right. And then there's the fear of, hey, I'm going to let our team pick the captains. There's the fear of relinquishing that, that position of saying, all right, I'm going to let the kids vote. And that's who it's going to be. So you're giving them the power, which JT, you know as well as I do, kids are going to follow and gravitate to who they want to. And typically, who the coaches see, the team see, uh, the team sees, excuse me, as, as a leader on the team. Absolutely. I mean, I think that your head coach has to be the leader of all leaders. And then from there, it should filter down into the assistant coaches. And then when we talk about captains, and again, this is where you've challenged my thinking and have asked me to refine what we do or what I do, um, because I'm just as guilty as everyone else of, oh, let's just let my best players be captains. Or sometimes, and this is really bad to say, but it'll be five minutes before the game, and I haven't really thought about captains yet, and I at the JV level, so it's not really a Friday night, but then it's kind of like the officials come over and they're like, coach, we need your captains. And it's like, oh, well, I'll grab whoever's close to me or, I'll, you know, and that's not a very good way of doing it either. That's the wrong message to send too. But I'm just as guilty of it. I fall into that trap also. Yeah. See, I think team captains need to be your team captains and pick them in the beginning and yeah. let them lead their team. And then when it's the coin toss, hey, these are the four guys, the five guys, the three guys, however you do it, that's going right. to represent our team. And they're going to go out for the coin toss. Now, we've done in the past where we have a rotating captain. So a guy that displays excellent leadership, uh, not really how he's played, but how he had, like, you evaluate their week of leadership. And if it was good Monday through Thursday, well, then awarding being a team captain 
an honorary team captain go out for the coin toss, but you have your three or four that are automatically your team captains who represent your team. So maybe you pick three, and then you have a rotating one based on week to week. So can that guy go twice? Yes. There's no stipulation. So say you're a rotating captain for week one, and your leadership was awesome. And then we go into week two. Well, JT, you did the same. You, you were the same leader and everything, and you got it again. Can you be the same? Yeah, sure. And I think that goes back to clearly define those expectations of what you want your leaders to do. Well, and as we're talking, I'm thinking about my own core values. I'm thinking about the guys that I value as leaders. I mean, again, you, your producers, you're going to rely on them in a game. But I think leadership is something that is a little muddier, and you can, you can be more creative in how you define that or in the expectations you set. And when I think about the best leaders that I've coached, they have a great attitude all the time, not just when things are going well. And they have great energy. They're people that other people want to be around. Right. So they're trusted. The teammates trust them. And I think that's, that's the very first thing I'd look at in a leader. Can you trust this person? So it's almost like, hey, I trust you enough as a leader to come babysit my two kids. No, hey, it all comes down to trust. I mean, would you get in a foxhole with them? Yeah. That's how we define it. That's how other coaches have, have said it. Would you lay down in traffic for them? Yeah, Randy um, Jackson. When you yeah. think about, yeah, when you think about a follower, I mean, why would you lay down in traffic for someone else? Yeah. You're putting yourself in harm's way so that other people can, can get to safety or can achieve the mission. And I think that's what I'm really looking forward to in uh, in hearing from this ranger and about the way the military does things. Yeah. And, the other thing, Coach Weaver, is sports in America, it's such a military culture. And that all stems from the growth of sports over the last 50, 60 years, really since World War II. Yeah. Well, let's think about this. I'm thinking about types of leaders. Like you have trusted ones. You have ones that you ask a kid about being a leader. He's like, he's got to be, uh, he's got to be able to communicate. He's got to be loud. He's got to be vocal. He's got to lead by example. But what about when that leader messes up? So do you do you lose credibility? So I think if if you're if you're a credible leader, then you are are open and you're efficient with your leadership. Yes, you can stumble. But as long as you you know, you, you talk about, you know, guys, hey, I messed up, you own up to it. Hey, this is not what I intended it to be. So hey, I that's all on me. That's my fault. No, let's move forward. I think they have to be transparent. You know, and Jocko Willink talks about extreme ownership. Mm -hmm. I mean, really, when you're saying, hey, I messed up, or hey, I made this decision, and maybe I shouldn't have. And there's a lot of times where one of my biggest flaws as a leader is we'll have a leadership team meeting, and I'll just kind of sit back, and I'll participate in the meeting, and then we'll get to a controversial issue, and some tempers will rise, or people's feelings will come to the surface. And I sit back and I just kind of do nothing. Yeah. And as a leader going forward, I know I need to jump in at that moment and either get the team back on, on the schedule or go to the to bat for people that are sitting there and taking it from other people because neither of those options is acceptable. Right. And, and I don't have that in me yet. It's something I'm working on is to jump in and when to keep the team on our, on our task, trying to reach our mission. But, boy, that accountability is really tough. And then you think about 15, 16, 17, 18-year-old kids, and it's even harder for them. Yeah, they're easily influenced. 
So it's going to turn in. I think popularity might be temporary. Like you, people have to like you in order to get your respect, I guess. Like you have to be that person that does stuff a little different. So it might be a little bit of popularity. But ultimately, it turns down into people that respect you. You know? I really like that. They trust you. I really you. like that. What you said. I, I really like how you put that, how popularity is temporary. Because, and really, as adults, when we talk about high school kids who go to college or who go into the workforce or a trade school or whatever they do after graduation, and then they become adults, and looking through the 20-year window, or as Coach Winkler says, four for 40, the four years in high school for the next 40 years of their life, I mean, your popularity is going to change based on whatever point you're in in your life, but your principles don't have to. No, but I think you have to be like, you have to be popular at some point. Like, yeah, it has to stem from somewhere. So, and then it turns into trust. So oh, I like this person. Okay. Now I trust this person. And then it turns into respect. And that look, that's just our, my way of looking at it. Uh, I like it. I like it a lot. You have to have influence. You have to be able to do the hard things, even when you don't want to. And then out, out of that, other people will look at what you're doing and then hopefully reproduce those same results. Yeah. So I think about this too. We, we, we hit on this just a little bit. But those hard decisions that you have to make that are not easy, like they're tough. Um, maybe kicking a, team, a guy off a team. Maybe taking playing time away just because the guy's not maybe keeping his side of the locker room clean. Like there has to be some consequence. And a leader goes up to him and says, hey, we, this is not the way we do things. Uh, so here, here's two points. Two points. They make hard decisions. I'm talking about leaders here. And then they explain to their team why those hard decisions were necessary in a way that it creates team unity. Rather than just saying, I'm in a position of leadership. This is what we're going to do. And then they don't explain it. That's gold. I mean, you talk about extreme ownership, those two things together make up extreme ownership. Yeah. You're going to define it, you're going to see it and recognize it, and then you're going to hold people to a higher standard. Yeah. And so my challenge to coaches is, while we all have popular kids on our teams, or there's kids that are popular to us as coaches because they're producers or whatever on the field, gamers on the field, start looking for those kids that can do those things, that can spot it and then correct it. It's the unwritten rules of a team. And really, when we talk about culture, culture classroom, it's the unwritten rules that everybody follows. I just read a book on the the 70s Raiders under John Madden. And one of the unwritten rules their team had was that after practice, the coaches left, but that didn't mean the players did. And so in the late 70s as they started to have more success as a team and guys were joining the team from other spots in the league, like the the practice would end and those guys would walk off the field and their teammates would be like, where are you guys going? We have more to do. Hmm. And that was when they reached a tipping point. You know, and I think about guys like Ken Stabler or Fred Bolitnikoff. And so to be able to spot it, like, hey, we're not done yet. Just because the coaches leave doesn't mean our practice is over. And then to be able to correct it and be like, hey, come on back to the field. You know, that, those are powerful things that can bond and unite a team and build trust. Yep. Well, this is, 
I think it's a hot, hot topic or a hot button item for a lot of coaches as we go into the 2019 season is you're going to have seniors and uh, Coach Stratton talked about how he meets in December with his uh, seniors-to-be and kind of seeing how they want to go. I think it's a phenomenal time to meet with them because there are going to be, you know, and a lot of coaches say how our seniors go or how it's how our team goes. Yeah. Well, is that the case? Maybe X and O Y and Ys and how you're going to perform. But I think you get everybody in there and you talk about leadership. And you're going to see, and you hear it all the time, cream rise to the top, leadership rise to the top, whatever you want to call it. But I think it's a, it's a sticky subject because, for me, being a team captain is the highest honor you can receive. Any accolade of the MVP of the team, um, offensive player of the year, defensive player of the year, when you're nominated for be a, to be a team captain by your peers, that's the highest honor you can receive. Absolutely. You know, and if there's one thing that you've challenged me to be in our relationship over the course of the last year, it's more intentional with the things that we do. And I think this is just another piece. I need to look at my own practices and I need to be more intentional with who I give that title to. And let's be honest, the title is free. It costs nothing to, to say that you're a captain. That's right. But you have to be able to do that, and you can't fake you, – it's not free to the other guys in the locker room. You can't fake it. It's got to be authentic, and it's got to be earned. Yeah. That's just like you're doing stuff when nobody's around. So remember John Cartwright I told you about when we sweeped the shed in season one. He was, it was during homecoming, and he, would, he cleaned up the locker room. Then he was straight, straightening up all the weights in the weight room. He didn't, nobody asked him to do that. Nobody asked him to stay and miss homecoming for a little bit to do that. But that's a definition of a leader for me. A guy that's willing to go do things that's, that's not being asked to do by a coach. Making sure the locker room's clean. Making sure everybody's out for practice on time. You're hurrying people out. No, that's not cool because people want to be late to practice. Like They're not motivated to go out in 90 degree heat. But if you have that leader that pushes you and is not he's not scared to be uncommon and say, hey, I'm this is gonna be my team. I'm gonna lead you know, maybe you only have two leaders on your team, like real leaders. I'm just challenging coaches, don't don't let it be your best athlete. Because just because they're the best athlete doesn't mean they're an awesome leader. It means you're gonna give them the ball on third and three. Or you're gonna throw them the ball on fourth and goal. Here's the other thing about leadership is that a rising tide lifts all boats. Mm. So as your group becomes better leaders, and as you're more intentional about how you define it and what you teach them, then all of a sudden the production is going to go up from everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Well, definitely a hot button item. And I'm anxious to hear what Ben. So let's, uh, let's give him a call real quick and get him on the line and see what he has to say about the U.S. military and how being a leader in the armed forces is just like being a leader inside of a uh, football team, basketball team, or soccer team. Sounds good. Can't wait to get better together. 
GameStrat is the number one choice for football coaches looking for the most reliable and advanced sideline replay system on the market. More coaches are switching to GameStrat because it simply works when it's supposed to work. And unlike other systems, GameStrat is simpler to set up and use, delivers the fastest video transfer times in the industry, gives you the most tagging capabilities, and has the best game day support. Choose GameStrat for your game day needs. Have you been to Afghanistan? I have. Oh, wow. All right. Three I know. Times. Wow. Three times. Okay. So, JT, you there? Yeah. Yeah. Hi. How are you, Ben? I'm doing well, man. How are you? I'm good. Is there a certain way you want me to dress you? Normally, the standard is just coach, but it doesn't really apply in this situation. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, I'm, act- I'm at a gun range right now. Sweet. Uh, so, you may have some background noise. That's awesome. We'll, we'll take it. Yeah, right. Yeah, we'll take it. Well, first off, I want you to introduce yourself to our listeners. Let's see. I graduated from Mash Original Academy in 2005, where Coach Weaver's at now. Um, I went to – I had no intentions of joining the military. Uh, as a matter of fact, funny story is an Army recruiter came to um, MRA our senior year and had everybody take the ASVAB. Well, I knew I wasn't going to join the military, so I didn't take the ASVAB. I went out to – I went to the gym, and we were playing a playoff football game against Starville Academy, and it had rained, and I actually wanted to watch the helicopter drive the field off for us. Like, they hovered over the field. So, while the rest of my class was taking the ASVAB, which is the ACT version of the Army entry exam, that's what I was doing. So – yeah. thought that was pretty funny. Uh, I went to Mississippi State, graduated in 2010. I coached for a year. Um, I coached, actually coached for three years. I coached for two years while I was in school for extra cash and then coached uh, a year when I got out. And I hated it so much that I called a Marine recruiter during two-a-days and talked to them on the phone. They were playing ping-pong. I could hear them in the background, and they were busy and would call me back. So I ended up joining the Army after that in 2010. Uh, long story short, at basic training, I got a Ranger contract, also known as an Option 40 contract. I went to Airborne School in 2011 and ended up going to Ranger Assessment Selection Program in 2011 also. Well, I did... Let's see, I did three tours to Afghanistan in five years, and I ended up getting out right before my staff sergeant board, and I ended up getting out as an E-5, so just a sergeant. Uh, and here I am now living the, the civilian life and and really missing every bit of the military. Wow. But that's about it for the gist of where I came from. Well, well Ben... Um... One, thank you for your service um, for our Absolutely. country. Thank you for our for your service in our in, for our country. And man, um, we talked a little bit. JT and I have been talking about leadership and popularity, and what that looks like inside of a with you being a former athlete inside of a locker room, and now looking at it from the military side, how everybody I think thinks the military has it figured out. And a lot of time, and correct me if I'm wrong, it turns into your rank 
is based on your popularity, right? And the older you are, the more rank you have. Um, Correct. Yeah, the longer time you put in. I mean, there's there's the the anomaly of guys that are so good at their job that they'll they'll qualify for boards a little earlier than they should as far as time. But yeah, basically, you put you put time in, you're gonna go you're gonna go in and rank whether you uh, kind of deserve it or not. But um, that's just the kind of a negative side of it. Yeah. So I'm gonna ask you this question. Uh, what is your view of leadership in in today's world? Because we think it's a lot of time maybe just popularity, but then we've started talking about how it maybe starts out as popularity. But what is your view as you look at your time in the military of leadership? Uh, so I, uh, well, you're going to – guys just have that uh, demeanor. I guess alpha males have a demeanor about them where they're going to be uh, – popular by default, I guess, so to speak. But I think I mentioned to this you the other day, Coach Weaver, the big that matters. It goes for coaches and players is leading by example. It's very, very underrated. Um, and it should be the, the guys that lead by example should be the guys that are automatically leaders. Um, go back a little bit. Uh, my team-oriented sports that I played growing up kind of it definitely helped me when I went to the military. Uh, there was a lot of guys that didn't play any sports at all, and they just they just, you know they did what they were supposed to do. But most of the leaders that uh, stood out either played uh, they, you know they're all-American wrestlers or all-American football players or or whatever hockey. There's not too many guys that from the south or my neck of the woods that joined the military. It's a lot of West Coast guys, Texas guys, and, and uh, more of your northern or Midwest, yeah, Midwest guys. So um, if you want to pick like kind of a survey, most of them played some team-oriented sports before before they got in. Wow. Just what I've noticed. Right. Um, well, Ben, tell us a little bit about being a ranger. And, I mean, that that's an elite fighting force. And the dropout rate for ranger school is probably ridiculous. And then talk about after you get out of school and, and you're in your unit and then you get deployed, what kind of credibility comes with being a ranger? Okay. So, actually, I, I got into the 75th Ranger Regiment, which is one of the special operations units. In the military, uh, and those guys, not only do you do your basic uh, training in Airborne School and, and whatnot, you've got to go through another selection process to get selected. Um, and then once, and then you have Ranger School, which is the biggest, best leadership school in the military, and anybody can qualify to go to that. Uh, I ended up going to that after my first deployment. Um, they said, you did good on this deployment. We're going to send you to Ranger School. So if you're in the 75th, you basically have to go to Ranger School. Like, you're forced to go. If you don't go, you will not stay there very long. Um, so, but that school right there, it's uh, 61 days long. You've got three. It's broke up into three parts. You've got bending phase, mountain phase, and Florida phase. And it gets kind of harder as you go. 
Um, but your first week is basically the only time that you're doing any individual type task as far as uh, PT tests, uh, you know, your five mile, your 12 mile ruck. Um, there's a buddy run, there's a lot of obstacle courses. And then once that's over with week one, if you make it, that's where most of the dropouts uh, happen is that first week. They probably lose 70% of the guys that started. Um, wow. And then, he, and then he gets into a lot of team, team type, uh, platoon size elements where they always say that you don't earn your tab. Other guys earn your tab for you, your ranger tab. So other guys are going to get you through as far as, uh, working together on any task, graded tasks that you have as far as like setting up an ambush, uh, raids, those kind of things. Um, you carry a lot of weight. Uh, basically carrying 100 pounds of gear in a rucksack. Um, and then there's a uh, the biggest thing I think Coach Weaver talked about guys picking the uh, team leaders or team captains for their football team this year. Uh, after every phase in Ranger School, there's a peer where guys in your team or platoon vote on who should get peered out of Ranger School and who should stay. So that way, you know, the RIs, the Ranger instructors don't have a clue who's carrying the most weight, who's doing things behind the scene, because they go to bed in the woods and we go to bed in the woods, you know, off 300 yards away from them. You know, they don't know who's horsing around, who's not doing anything, who's sleeping when they're not supposed to be. Because um, you're definitely, you're burning more calories than you're taking in during mm-hmm. Ranger school. So, uh the peer evaluations is is the big thing, um, and every now and then it gets kind of political, where you got guys that are in Ranger School that have high rank but just never went, and they're you know they've been in the Army for ten fifteen years and they're just now going to Ranger School, and they're going to get looked at for leadership, and you you might be like this guy shouldn't even be in the military. I don't know how he stayed in for fifteen years. He's awful. I had a guy in my in my uh, company when I was in Ranger School that was a first sergeant, and he got to recycle more than the rest of the guys that got peered out because just of his rank. Mm. So it comes and goes. You got brand new privates that are in that are awesome. They'll they'll volunteer to carry the uh, the heavy machine guns or more ammo um, than they have to, and those are the guys that you they're leading by example. He always goes back to leading by example. You know, you talked about leadership and how you want the guy that's going to carry stuff and lead by example. Do they give you any kind of tools or any classes? Because you're, I mean, you think about this, you're a ranger, you're the elite of the elite in the Army. Uh, Do they teach you about leadership or is it something that you kind of learn over the time that you're in the Army and then they expect you to have leadership qualities when you get into ranger school? Well, yeah. So you've got, the 75th is the standard of the Army. Those guys are supposed to, everybody is supposed to lead by example. Everybody in the regular Army is supposed to look up to 75th guys. And 75th guys are designed to kind of learn all that knowledge at their unit. And then, especially the officers. The officers, I don't know how long they can stay in the 75th, but once they stay there, uh, ha- they have to move up to a certain rank, and then they're branched out to take over uh, 
other units, other companies, other battalions in the regular Army. And they've gained all that knowledge by being in the 75th and going to Ranger School, and then they're taking all that knowledge to another regular Army unit and using it to train those guys. Hmm. Uh, so, yeah, I'd, you basically have got to run through a training cycle when you get to the 75th and deploy. That's kind of the unspoken rule of thumb. Maybe deploy once or twice before you get to go. You've got to kind of show your leadership ability before they let you go. It's a uh, uh, funny, uh, SEALs, Navy SEALs, they send guys to Ranger School as punishment. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, they send guys because they don't really need to go. They, they, you know, they learn a lot of stuff internally where we have to go. Um, if you're in a regular Army unit and you, they may not have the funds, uh, say guys that are stationed in like Italy, you know, it it, take, it costs a lot of money to, to send a guy on a plane to, or, you know, a lot of guys on a plane to ranger school, and then they fail, and they got to fly them back. So guys stationed far off, um, you know, on the West Coast, uh, and ranger school is in Fort Benning, Georgia, by the way, or it starts off there. Um, two, the first two phases are in Georgia, the last phase is in Florida. So they uh, – you know, you've got to kind of earn um, your right to go. They may have a PT test in their unit, and the guy that scores the highest, whether he's got leadership ability or not. Uh, so I'll move over here. Um, you know, he gets to go and earn that right to go. Um, so that's kind of the gist of that. And I had a couple of Marines that were in my Ranger School class, my graduating class, some uh, Navy guy, a couple of Navy guys, and, you know, 95% of the rest were, were Army guys. Well, Ben, we're talking about unwritten rules a little bit earlier, and uh, I loved what you said there with, like, an unwritten rule of being a Ranger is to have a, a deployment under your belt. What are some other unwritten rules that, like, give you a lot of respect for somebody without someone having coming down and told you you have to do this and this and this? Um, so in t I didn't know what integrity was until I joined the military. And integrity is just basically it's, it's doing the right thing when nobody's watching. Um, you know, you got, you got kids doing up-downs on a football field during two days. And, you know, a coach turns around to talk to another coach. You got, you got kids laying on the ground too long or skipping one. Then you got, you know, your gassers, 100-yard gassers or whatever. You got guys that run all the way to the line. And your players are going to see that. Um, and that's who's going to vote on who's, who should be a captain and who, who doesn't. Um, if I'm a coach, I'm going to bring up. That before I elect team captains, I'm going to say, hey, like, who are the kids that aren't touching the line? Who are the kids that are cheating in the weight room? Um, and that's what's expected for 75th guys. And, Coach Weaver, you said this the other day on the phone about uh, looking, without even showing any leadership, just looking at guys, the guys that are fit. And that's what they, that's one thing, big thing that separates 75th guys from, from the rest of the Army is everybody's fit. Everybody can can run, everybody can pick up weight, heavy weight, and 
everybody can walk a long way with a you know sixty pound rucksack on their back. Right. Um. So that's just a few examples right there. Well, let's let's talk about popularity real quick and rank. And I don't I don't know how much you can talk about rank. I don't know how much you can talk about deployments. Um, so you answer what you can. But you think about the uh, the popularity contests that go on in high school when you played ball. And then are there popularity contests that are going on in the military for rank? And then I think about this. When we talked about earlier, Ben, that popularity is temporary when it comes to, uh, to leadership. Like you have to be liked first, I believe. And then it goes from there. So what's your take on that when it's popularity versus uh, the leadership that happens inside the military or even in a high school football team? All right. So there's definitely a lot of popularity stuff in, uh, in the military, uh, just like guys on a, on a football team or any team-oriented athletics. So you've got, you've got guys that everybody likes. You've got guys that everybody likes, and they do the right thing all the time. Um, and then you got guys that everybody likes that are, you know, pieces of crap. Um, and those guys will get weeded out eventually. Uh, but, uh, yeah, we, we, we spoke on this one time too. So there's something called uh, Spotlight Rangers, which grinds my gears more than anything. Uh, they only do the right thing when our leadership is, is looking at them or around. They just want to be seen doing the right thing. But behind, that goes back to integrity. Behind, you know, the scenes, you know, they're, they're not going to the gym. They're not running on their own. Uh, I had a kid that, you know, I came up with or joined, the, you know, 75th with that he was the biggest spotlight ranger we had. And our leadership was always talking about him, uh, wanting to send him to other schools, you know, sniper school, uh, cool schools, you know, that you could learn some cool stuff. And it makes your, 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 so to speak, military resume just look good or look sexy. So uh, I had a platoon sergeant that told me one time, why don't you lead like, Chad does, just an example, or just a name I make up. Uh, but I had been getting my guys, my team, my privates, in about an hour early than we had work. And we would go get a like a, a mile in or a uh, five-mile run in or go get any type of PT done or go to the gym before we even had to go into work. And that way, when everybody else was working out, we could go you know, to the back of our – or in the office, we get on a whiteboard. We could talk about um, deployment stuff that I had learned, and just teaching them about leadership and what to do on deployment before they deploy, or giving them ranger school classes. Because I know those guys, most of those guys, were probably going to go to ranger school after our first deployment. So we had already got our PT in, and, and our leadership didn't—they they didn't know I was doing that. I wasn't going to go tell them that I was doing that. Um. So. That's just, and then I had, when, you know, I had to speak up once. I had some of my leadership tell me that because it was, wasn't true. So. Well, I, I think that's and amazing. I'm saying, I'm not, and I'm, and I'm, I'm sorry, I'm not saying I'm the, I was the best ranger. There were thousands of guys better than me. Some of the biggest, 
leaders and, and specimens that I've ever, physical specimens I've ever seen in my life. I mean, uh, and I learned stuff from them. So, well, I think it's great. Like when you talk about spotlight rangers, I think about those kids that are out there and uh, they think they're grinding, but every time they they post like it's only max day or they're only focused on one or two lifts. And, you know, you, you see the guys, the adults that are walking around with the big cannons on their arms, but then they got little chicken legs. Yeah. And, and, you know, like that's kind of like a spotlight ranger. Or it's kind of like the kid that's posting on Snapchat every time he does one or two extra little workouts. And it's like that 10-second video of you running that ladder doesn't tell me anything. Yeah. There's people, there's civilians like that now that they want, they're just checking the box. Checking the box. They're just checking in. They want everybody. Like what? Yeah, you took a picture of a of a, a bench with two twenty five on it. But how many times did you did you lift a failure, or did you get five reps in and call it a day? Um, you see that everywhere, and you, it's, it's up about, to coaches to find not find out. So, tell me about um, now that you're out of the military or that you've transitioned back into civilian life. What are the leadership skills or the traits that you take away as from your ranger career? Uh, so the uh, the hardest thing for me when I transitioned out of the military was applying for jobs that I knew I was qualified for and I could do better than the guys they had there. But then you've got corporates or whatever guys doing the hiring that, that are telling me that I'm not qualified to do that job. And that will go, especially a guy that was in a special operations unit, because they build you up to think you are the baddest human on the planet. And it's not an arrogant thing, it's a confidence thing. So you think you can take on the world, you think you can do anything uh, better than anyone else. Um, just being competitive, just like having that competitive chip on your shoulder, I guess. So that's a lot of veteran guys go into some deep depression, uh, trying to make money, trying to get a job where you've got these, these guys that might be smarter than them. They might, you know, they, I'm not saying they didn't earn it where they were, but they're telling you that you don't qualify for this job. Um, that's probably the hardest thing, but I get up every morning at four, four thirty. Uh, I, I still do my, um, my workouts every morning. I try to balance my family life with, with you know, work. Uh, I have a job right now that I work, you know, five days a week out of town. I don't even see my family. I'm in hotels four nights a week, um, and it's awful. I mean, I'm trying to trying to get my workout in uh, there, and you just there's no excuse. You just got to get it in. I do I do push ups in a hotel room or go run. Uh, half the gyms that that I that are in hotels don't even work. Treadmills don't work. Uh, but I mean, you can you can bitch all you want about real life, uh, but that's not doing anything. I mean, you still got to get get your work in every morning. Uh, I do most of my working out at at four thirty in the morning. I have a, a gym at my house where you know I get my stuff in before my family even wakes up. So. My time's devoted to them while I'm home, and I don't have to worry about it anymore. I've already got it out of the way. So, um, like right now, I'm I'm 
getting ready to go do some training in Colorado for a contracting job. And the shooting qualification they have is is pretty tough and brutal, and uh, the PT test they have is pretty tough. So I'm, I'm trying to train for that right now. I'm trying to shoot. I get to shoot once a week on a Saturday maybe. Uh, I'm trying to get that work in uh, as much as I can just to – don't I want you know just to get that job? Yeah, well, I heard the gunfire um, in the back. We were worried about you for a minute. <laughs> no, nah, we're good. I moved my <laughs> truck out of the way. <laughs> um, ben, as we finish up, uh, there's some things that I took away uh, from from your conversation. Is one that leadership is a mindset rather than a position. With you saying that you have to lead by example, and then. For true leaders, they must stand up for values that they believe in and live with the consequences. So think about, as we finish up, think about some of the leaders that you were influenced by and the leader that you are today. And how have you influenced and how have you been influenced with good leadership and bad leadership? Uh, If you're going to talk to talk, walk the wall. I know that's cliche and and stupid sounding, but, uh, back up. If you're going to run your mouth, just back it up. That's a sign of leadership. Um, and the leaders, I mean, I can say this, this, this doesn't get over said. Um, the leaders that I looked up to, they were probably the, the strongest and fastest in our platoon. Uh, they, they didn't yell a lot. They didn't try to flex on anybody. Um, they, you know, they were not soft-spoken, but every time they would speak, you know, everybody listened. Um, but it all came back to to the guys that led by example, man. That's all. That's all it came back to. Uh, I, I had got when I was a sophomore in high school. I had seniors that where they wanted to be leaders so bad, which was awesome. Uh, they were so loud. They were always banging their head on a helmet or, or yelling, but they, they got ran over all the time. Um, they missed tackles. They, they stopped a foot short of the line in a gasser. And I was just like, you know, shut up, man, just shut up. And then you got, I had a, I had a quarterback when I was a sophomore that, didn't say much at all. Uh, Coach Weaver, you probably know him. It is Wally Cummins. Yeah. Uh, that guy right there was probably the, for my high school, you know, I still think about him today. He, uh, we were getting beat down by a team that wasn't very good, and he went in at linebacker and killed a running back and picked up a fumble recovery. He had a fumble recovery. Hmm. He went in for one play. Uh, a lot, you know, a lot, a lot of goes into that. I mean, they ran the ball to him, but at the same time, you know, he got back under center. We ended up winning that game. We came back by, I think, three touchdowns. Uh, that was at Indianola Academy, wow. and I, you know, I'll never forget that. I'll never forget that. That's that was thirteen years ago, or fifteen years ago. So he was a starting quarterback. He was a starting quarterback and went in and linebacker. Wow. Went in linebacker and literally murdered a guy and picked up the ball. Wow. And, I mean, I think about that today still. So, and I know it's high school football and everything, but no, man. I learned 
a lot of life lessons, especially military stuff. It, it all went back to playing high school football and watering cotton and corn for my dad in 105 degree heat every summer. Right. So for a while, it's yeah. leadership was doing the right thing instead of just doing the popular things. The popular thing for Wally would have been, I'm going to stay at quarterback. I, this, I'm the starter. I can't get hurt. But he made a courageous choice and instead of convenient one. He's like, I'm going to go in and I'm going to start busting some heads and make a play yeah. happen. And he had to – and not you're, you know, not all coaches are going to let their starting quarterback go in at linebacker. He made them. Like, he basically said, I'm going. Wow. You're not going to stop me. I'm going to go in on defense and try to make a play. Wow. I bet he was um, – was he a team captain? He was a team captain. Wow. And he did not uh, – he did not – I don't think he, – he played one, you know, defensive snap the whole season, and that was that play. Wow. And he goes back to before that. I think when I was in seventh grade, he got to MRA in ninth or tenth grade, and he – I was a quarterback at the time until I stopped growing, and I couldn't hold a TDS football <laughs> with my small hands. So, he, uh, <laughs> he showed me after pra- – he would go over to seventh grade practice and show me some quarterback stuff. Wow. So, I mean, it all started a little bit before that, but uh, he was a definite – if you had to pick a leader, he's a definitional leader before we got up there. We ended up losing the state championship game my sophomore year, my junior year, and we ended up winning it my senior year. And we had about 20 Wally, Wally Cummins on our senior team. So, wow. Wow. there was no arguing over who, who has the most yards, who – who has the most touchdowns? Who's getting a touchdown this play? We uh, we celebrated after touchdowns. You can go back and look at film from our younger days. With those sophomore and junior teams, there weren't any guys helping you know helping me up off the ground after I got tired. There weren't any guys celebrating after touchdowns. But you go look at our senior film tapes. There were high fives, people picking up guys off the off the ground, and uh, and I mean that's just. Nobody sees that stuff. Nobody sees that stuff from the stands. Nobody talks about that stuff. Yeah. Um, and I'm talking about it because it's. It, I noticed it now after I know what leadership looks like and, and what it's supposed to be. Right. Um, well, as we conclude, do you have any advice for coaches that are listening? Uh, as they go into, into, the, into the summer, into fall camp, um, on how to identify team leaders and what to look for, and your position on letting the team pick the team captains? Um, yes, sir. Let's see. I, a lot of guys aren't going to like to hear, especially at the high school level. Um, your summer workouts, I think, dictate your your season. Uh, and you want to make it brutal enough to weed guys out. Uh, if guys are going to quit, uh, say you got your your starting running back, whatever middle linebacker. You know he quits. He wants to quit. Uh, weed them out, man. Weed them out. I'll go to war if I go through brutal training, brutal workout. I will go to war with the guys that stay yeah. and tough it out and and go as hard as they can, a hundred percent every time. Uh, I actually coach when I was coaching in uh, when I was in college. You know we had. We had to beg kids would quit all the time, and we didn't. If they did quit, we wouldn't have enough to to play. You know, we wouldn't even have 
20 guys, you know, and I, I was just like trying to tell our coach, you know, the head coach, I'm like, look, man, let them quit. I'll go to, I'll, I'll go to war with 11 guys. They can play both ways. <laughs> and we can, I mean, we lost, I think we won one year, we won one game. The next year we won none uh, with guys that we let stay. Yeah. I'd have rather lost those games with 11 guys that did, that did want to be there, right. whether they were good or not. Uh, and then it, you, you can get to the college level, um, you know, professional level, guys that quit and, and don't show up. You know, you can you can get rid of those guys. But high school, you can, it's a lot harder. And plus, uh, those kids are going to regret it and live with it forever. Um, but it's just up to coaches to find ways to motivate guys. Motivation's the big thing. And, and I, I think every – Every team's different as far as how they're getting motivated. You've got to even motivate different players different ways. Uh, when I had young Rangers coming up, when I moved up to leadership position, uh, I couldn't talk to them all the same. You'd have to call some off to the side and talk to them a different way just to motivate them to do the right thing. And, and uh, if they didn't listen, you know, we got rid of them. Move on. Ben, it's been a pleasure having you in the classroom. Thank you for your service to our country and for being yes, part of such a, a special unit of the Army Rangers. Uh, as we conclude, one thing that Coach Weaver and I always ask is, what's your caring trademark? So if I were to look at you as a leader today, what's one thing that makes you authentic and that you do differently to separate yourself from other people? Man, that's a tough one. <laughs> Uh, I mean, I think your four thirty in the morning workout. I mean, yeah, are, I'm a four in the morning. I'm yeah, sorry, go I'm ahead, a four sorry. in the morning kind of guy, and uh, it is definitely uncommon. Most people don't want to get up and get their grind on right away in the morning. Yeah, exactly. Just feeling if you if I don't get up, I feel guilty all day. I'm thinking about why I didn't do that this morning, why I didn't get up. Uh, you know, that extra hour of sleep did me no good. Um, or extra two hours of sleep, it didn't, you know, didn't do me any good. Uh, but, yeah, getting up and getting after it, man, every morning. It separates the men from the boys, I, I, I promise. Uh, I totally agree. I grew up on a farm, and we had milk cows, and I didn't have a choice. There was no snooze button that my dad allowed me to have. Um, and it's so funny to listen to you talk about that because my wife's snooze will go off six, seven times. It's like, I don't get what that six minutes does for your body or however long your snooze is set. I know. Uh, it's but just, yeah, my dad, my dad was, uh, <laughs> yeah, my dad's a third-generation cotton farmer, so he, you know, he works every day of the year. Um, obviously, wintertime, they're – they're kind of off, but he's still up doing something. Um, and I just kind of followed in his footsteps as far as, you know, getting up. And I wish I had that discipline when I was in a little more. I had some of it, but I wish a little more when I was, in, you know, coming up younger, high school and, and college. But all I can do now is kind of spread the word and talk to younger guys um, I'm still trying to help younger guys and try to talk them into joining the military because they don't know. 
what it's like, but I'm telling them it's going to change their life. It's going to teach them a lot of stuff and set them up for success in the long run. So, Well, Ben, man, thanks again. Uh, I think it's safe to say that for you in the military, leading is the most important responsibility we'll ever have in our life, uh, whether it be at home, whether it be at school, or whether it be when you're an Army Ranger. Uh, leading is the most important responsibility we'll ever have. So, again, thank you for your service, yes, and thank you for your time in the uh, Culture Classroom today. I appreciate y'all guys. It was fun. Well, that was Army Ranger Ben Bush in the classroom talking about a lot of uh, leadership and his influence and the, the way he was influenced and a lot of other characteristics that comes with being a leader. Uh, so, once again, Ben, thank you again for joining us in the classroom. And, uh, again, thank you for your service for our country. You know, Coach Weaver, one of the things that I took away, aside from being an elite military fighting force, the Army Rangers, 70% dropout rate first week. That's what Ben told us right there. And uh, uh, one of the things that I took away, though, was Spotlight Rangers. And that's what I'm up against in a social media world where there's a camera attached to every phone and everybody has access to everything and they want to show the world what they're doing. It's like, You don't have to put it to your story the minute that you do an extra workout. Just do the workout. Yeah. Uh, You see it so many times, though. They'll get on Instagram, and it's them running a 100-meter dash or something like that, and they're saying, ooh, got 15 in. Well, don't do that. You don't have to. Just, like you said, do the work and be done with it. Quit popularizing yourself working out. Like Be like Ben. Get up at 4.30. And this captain was saying, why don't you lead like somebody else? No, I'm, I'm going to lead like I have been doing, and nobody's watching what we're doing, but I'm leading my guys. You know, it's like on our leadership team at school, I get a little extra money in my paycheck for that. It's probably not commensurate to the leadership or the knowledge or the work that I have to do to earn that extra money. But it's like I, there's people, I'm sure, around the state that are on those teams because they want that little extra bit in your paycheck. Well, don't be a spotlight ranger. Yeah. Just do the work. That's right. And here's what here's what came into my mind. Is those guys that were on Ben's, that he was leading, those privates, there has to be a responsibility of trust. So they trusted him. You know, somebody's telling him to lead somewhere else, like lead a different way, but they trusted him. And if you're a leader, you need to establish the relationship of trust with your people you lead. And then the success will come and turn into long-term. So he was able to lead those guys uh, long-term. He was in for, for a substantial amount of years. But trust, I believe, is very important. Uh, I don't know where you stand on that. You, you probably echo what I say, um, especially if you think about a ranger and the challenging situations that they have. You better have some sort of trust with the guy that's leading you. For sure. To do the missions that they're sent to do or that they're asked to do or that they sign up to do, (laughs) without trust, none of those missions ever get off the ground. You know, I write in my book about when I talk about trust, it takes no fewer than seven days and then sometimes as long as seven years in order to establish trust. Mm -hmm. And I loved what he said where he can walk in. And he instantly knows if he can trust that the guy's going to do his PT. Because if you're a ranger, PT is a big part of your daily life. And so you can tell whether someone's doing the work or not just by the way they look, their physique. Yep. Yep. 
So lastly, with trust, it has to become loyalty. And I wrote loyalty down when he was talking because that's, I think that's a core value in the military is loyalty. And then him getting up at 4.30, you have to have a strong commitment. So these guys that get up and work out and do these things. So a leader, you have to have a strong commitment to making yourself better to make other people better. And then lastly, it takes time and experience to develop all that. So, yes, we're going to talk about rank, and you have to be a superior officer. Well, for I think for football, it doesn't have to have that. You don't have like no hierarchy in leadership. If you're a sophomore and you're doing the work, and, and you're able to lead people, go ahead. But typically, coaches steer to seniors. They say, hey, the seniors are going to lead this team. Well, I hope we don't say that. Because what if you have 22 seniors and 19 of them are bad leaders, but they're great athletes? You're going to trust the whole senior or group? Or they're popular. Yeah. You know, that's the other trap. Just because they're popular doesn't make them a good leader. Um, and I think that's what the point that he made about different guys that sign up for Ranger School. Yeah. You know, the 4.30 in the morning thing is so important, and commitment is a great way to put it because, yeah, he's committed to himself, he's committed to his workout, but really the whole reason he gets up at 4.30 in the morning to do it is because he's committed to his family. Yeah. He doesn't want to take away time from the people that are depending on him, and it all goes back to trust. Yeah. So, again, those same core values permeate everything that we do, and if you're a leader – your core values should permeate everything that you do as a leader. Right. Because leadership is so powerful. If you do it the right way, the person has to be passionate about it. They have to be able to inspire people. Um, you know, so that's that's where I'm going with this. I'm hoping our leaders, that our kids pick, so we're going to let the kids pick team captains this year. We're going to go through summer and fall camp, and we're going to let them pick. Um and I hope they pick out the guys, like Ben said. He can tell when he walks in, like you said earlier, and he can see those guys. But he, our kids also see that, hey, popularity is important when it's, you know, you got to be able to like the guy, I guess. Like I said, it's murky. This whole leadership thing is murky, where we're looking at popularity, where we're looking at establishment versus you're doing the right thing. I mean, there's a lot of tools. So I'm going to get a pen and a paper and kind of write down and present it to Coach Davis, hey, here are what qualities we want our our uh, team captains to have. And then you let the kids see who exemplifies that and rate themselves. But, it, but it's just like every other part of the culture that we talk about, Coach Weaver. And as I was listening to the interview, you know, or as we're interviewing him, I could talk about Clark Kent Superman. I could talk about creative tension because he talked about how do you motivate your athlete could talk about commitment and all the other things, a lot of other podcasts we've done. But really what it comes down to is as a leader, we want to be intentional with who we give that C to. Right. So I guess the question we'll finish up with, do you want to be popular or do you want to be respected? You know, that's, that's the million dollar question. If you're a high school athlete or if you're a coach, do you want to be the popular coach or do you want to be the respected coach? I don't know about you, but I want to be the respected coach. Well, Coach Weaver, as we finish episode six here of season two, we want to hear from other coaches. How do you pick your leaders? Do you fall into the popularity trap? What criteria do you have for captains? And then how do you play that game as you go throughout the season? 
But hearing Ben talk about what the military does and then matching it with the things that we do in our programs, I got a lot better today. Culture Classroom is supported by Lausanne Learning, a nonprofit run by educators for educators with a mission to engage students, empower teachers, and transform schools. Through professional development conferences focusing on active learning, practical resources, and reflective teaching, including fishbowl classrooms, and a unique teacher-to-teacher -teacher consulting program, Lausanne Learning is providing the authentic professional development your school needs. Visit them at LausanneLearning.com today to find one of their active learning conferences near you and to learn more about changing education from the ground up.